This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, I'm Noel Lim on Spotlight. Finance Minister Lim Guan Eng announced in his Budget 2020 speech last Friday that a special channel will be set up under InvestKL to accelerate more investments from China. This attention on China underscores its growing importance to Malaysia. China is now our largest trading partner and second largest foreign direct investor after the US. So what can Malaysia do to attract more investments from China? Today, we examine how Malaysia as a participating country could ride on opportunities presented by China's Belt and Road Initiative or BRI. Launched by President Xi Jinping in 2013, the BRI, a centerpiece of China's diplomacy, aims to transform the country's economy through closer integration with the world. The deal is that China would finance and build physical connections such as roads, rail links and even fibre-optic cables for countries across the belt or the Silk Road from China to Europe and to establish links with countries on the road that are on the maritime routes linking China to Southeast Asia, India and Africa. This is in short world domination by China while increasing trade and investments and promoting cultural exchanges. An estimated 1 trillion US dollars have been committed by China to roll out the BRI. 131 countries, including Malaysia, have agreed to participate in the BRI. On why BRI is important to China, we ask Ko King Ki, Director of China's Belt and Road Desk at Baker Tilly Advisory. China need to rebalance its economic development. The uh, East Coast uh, provinces are much more advanced than the western northwest uh, uh, provinces and also uh, it has to find new market uh, for its excess capacity china need to migrate about 85 million labor intensive uh, jobs to uh, those countries with uh, uh, abundance of uh, cheap labor and uh, over the last 10 years china's uh, labor cost in the manufacturing sector has tripled it's now about 3.6 US dollars per hour. So uh, China has to move up the value change. The game changer for the BRI would be to persuade India, China's long-time rival, and key European countries such as Germany and France to participate. But this appears unlikely as the European Union wants to strengthen its International Development Bank to match China's rising economic influence in Africa and Asia. Many fear or are perhaps jealous of China's rise as a superpower and are suspicious of China's intentions. Last year, the New York Times ran a headline, How China Got Sri Lanka to Cough Up a Port. A Chinese company had taken over the Hambantota port in Sri Lanka after its operator failed to repay loans owing to Exim Bank of China. Ko Baker Tilly Advisory says it's misleading in this case to pin the blame on China. Hambantota port has been the poster boy of that trap. Belt and Road Initiative was launched in 2013. However, Hambantota port was uh, constructed in 2008. And that was uh, because in 2004, Sri Lanka suffered severely from the uh, tsunami. Hambantota was the hometown of the Prime Minister and also it is his constituency. So he wants to revive the economy of Hambantota. And first, it approached uh, India for financing. India was not interested. And then the, the government of Sri Lanka again approached the uh, uh, multilateral development bank. Again, it was turned down. So eventually, uh, Sri Lanka government turned to China for help. And China, uh, Action Bank has agreed to fund you know, the project. After about six years of operation, the company suffered from a loss of about 300 million. 
And at that point in time, Sri Lanka was uh, pressured by the international IMF to repay the loan. So it, it has to find a way to, uh, you know, to sustain uh, the, the, the project, you know, to, to make sure that the, uh, it has the money to repay the loan. After discussion with China, you know, it came up with the PPP uh, scheme, that means a public-private sector partnership. China invested or injected a fresh uh, uh, this uh, uh, amount of 1.12 billion to have majority control of the JV company to manage the port for 99 years. China also has to pump in additional 400 US 400 to 600 million to develop the industrial park, power plant, for, so that to make the project viable. In a study released in June, the World Bank cautions that BRI presents risks common to large infrastructure projects. These problems could be exacerbated by the limited transparency and openness of the initiative and the already weak economic fundamentals and governance of participating countries. Mindful of this, the Chinese finance minister Liu Kun made it a point to say Beijing will focus on improving financial sustainability and quality of BRI projects. Also, China has to turn more cautious on some of its international ventures to minimise defaults in light of slower global growth. We can see this in the numbers. In the first eight months of 2019, China's total investments to BRI countries declined by 6% year-on-year to approximately $9 billion. In Malaysia, BRI projects include the ECRL or East Coast Rail Link that connects Port Klang to Kota Baru, the Bandar Malaysia project and an undersea tunnel linking Penang Island to the mainland. As for the ECRL project Malaysia, after several rounds of negotiations, China successfully convinced the Malaysian government to proceed with a controversial project after slashing the price tag to 44 billion ringgit from 66 billion ringgit. The contracts awarded to a joint venture firm between China Communications Construction Company and Malaysia Rail Link funded by China's Exim Bank. ECRL will reduce travel time between Kota Baru and Port Klang from 7 hours to 4 and is expected to boost economic growth in East Coast states by 1.5%. In addition to the rail line, the new Malaysian government negotiated for industrial parks to be built to add manufacturing capacity in the East Coast and underutilised areas in the West Coast. This should increase revenue for the operator to make the project more sustainable. But will industries want to set up shop in the East Coast? Ong Kenming, Deputy Minister of International Trade and Industry, says ECRL is strategic, especially for Kelantan and Trunganu. Uh, they have good supply of workers, uh, but not enough industry. Uh, so both states only have about 4% of their workers in the manufacturing line. At the same time, there are areas in the uh, West Coast including places, for example, close to Port Klang, uh, that are still not very developed yet, uh, which with the presence of an industrial park uh, will give the impetus to develop these areas and also increase the level of economic activity. If there's no proper infrastructure in a place like Kelantan, let's say, uh, then the incentives uh, for industry to move in would also uh, not be very high. So this is sort of like uh, you know an undertaking that we are hoping to uh, do together with the contractor uh, in order to uh, develop places like Kelantan and Trunganu. Uh, and also, something that's not very well known uh, among um, people, many people, is that uh, the issue of uh, workers uh, becomes much less problematic when uh, industry is located in a place like uh, Kota Baru, for example, uh, because uh, the, the few industries that are there 
they are able to employ almost 100% local staff. Retention rate is actually very high. So the turnover rate among the workers in these uh, factories is actually very low. Now that PASS has gotten to bed with AMNO, how receptive are they towards the rail link cutting through their states? Both Kelantan and Trangano state governments, they welcome the ECRL. Uh, so I think our challenge is actually to get the contractor to present holistic industrial park uh, blueprint. Then uh, we can uh, work uh, with the state government to attract the right industries together with contractor in question as well. At this point, we do not know the financial details of the ECRL. For example, when will it break even or will it ever break even? And what will be the cost to acquire land and construct the railway track from the east to west coast? It is still early days. We also don't want the Chinese to just come in and build our infrastructure. There should be technology transfer and more jobs for Malaysians. So after negotiations with the Chinese, the local participation in civil works for ECRL has been increased to 40% from 30% to benefit more Malaysian businesses. Today on Spotlight, we examine the implications of the Belt and Road Initiative or BRI and opportunities for Malaysian businesses. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Spotlight on the Belt and Road Initiative or BRI. China is now among Malaysia's largest foreign investors and major trading partners. Being part of the BRI provides a platform for Malaysia to explore more opportunities with China and possibly with other BRI countries. Tariffs imposed by the US on goods from China as a result of the US-China trade war have actually prompted Chinese companies to consider alternative production networks in BRI countries, notably ASEAN due to its proximity and cultural understanding, the top two favourites being Vietnam and Malaysia. In Malaysia, we are seeing more Chinese direct investments into the E&E or the electronics and electrical sector among others. Deputy Minister of International Trade and Industry Ong Kian Ming tells us what deals are in the pipeline. We also see an interest in some of the larger scale uh, industrial goods, uh, whether it's uh, tyres, batteries, uh, paper uh, that have uh, you know, already applied uh, and are in the process of applying for investment incentives uh, to come to Malaysia. China is now at the forefront of technology. Who is the Ministry of International Trade and Industry talking to to bring them to Malaysia? One space that we are actively engaging on and uh, working hard uh, is in the area of high-tech, Industry 4.0 related technologies. Uh, so we do hope you know, that some of these companies like SenseTime, for example, uh, Tencent, uh, and some of their uh, technology companies would uh, consider uh, expanding their operations into Malaysia. Alibaba, of course, Alibaba is already here. You know, mm-hmm. they are much, very much into the e-commerce space mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, providing their cloud computing services as well to Malaysian companies. They chose Malaysia as their first office in Southeast Asia specifically because of the entrepreneurial spirit that they see in Malaysia that uh, they have seen less of in, uh, in Singapore. So this is, uh, I think, a comparative advantage that we have that companies like Alibaba would like to tap on. Another interesting development has been our durian exports. Our beloved king of fruits has been a hit among the Chinese, so much so that the price of the Musang King variety has spiked. Last year, China spent slightly over 4 billion ringgit on importing durians from Malaysia and Thailand. The number is expected to double by 2023. Just last week, private equity firm Navis Capital announced it is investing 400 million ringgit in Hernan Corporation, a durian product manufacturer. Navis will also buy up to 10,000 acres for durian plantation in Pahang. Well, Ko King Ki, 
the director of the Belt and Road Desk at Baker Tilly Advisory, says food security is a priority for China and therefore the agriculture sector is interesting to Chinese companies. I would expect, you know, the second phase of BRI, there'll be more SMEs, you know, private companies from China investing in, in BRI countries. They are looking more at, for example, agriculture sector in Pakistan. China is looking at the possibility of, uh, you know, uh, leasing, you know, big stretch of land to to grow rice, you know, because China needs a more arable land. The arable land in China is not that much because the large area was covered by uh, desert. Well, BRI is not just about goods. Apart from tourism and healthcare, Kong Lin Long, managing partner of Rianda LLKG International and National Council member of the Associated Chinese Chambers of Commerce and Industry of Malaysia, says that education services in Malaysia might see exciting developments. Look at the uh, Chinese government's confidence in Malaysia, set up the uh, Xiamen University in uh, Malaysia. I think first of its kind, outside of China, first branch, university branch outside China, first of it, in that is set up in Malaysia. A lot of um, university, also private educationists, they are, would like to set up uh, in uh, Malaysia, you know, in terms of this higher education. Not only higher education, they would like to set up something like the uh, secondary school up to college, you know. Uh, all this is uh, quite a uh, large educationists or colleges from China. They are coming in. In BRI Phase 2.0, Ko Kinki at Baker Tilly Advisory believes that Malaysian companies should look beyond China and capitalise on the BRI as a platform to do more trades and open up new markets in participating countries. Now, we have problem with foreign labour. We have not enough. So maybe we should take a look at the possibility of relocating those labour-intensive industries to countries like you know, Bangladesh or Cambodia or Pakistan, where China builds industrial estates, you see. And then see, uh, uh, and if we can keep the research, marketing uh, activities in our country, but the production, you can relocate to these uh, uh, countries with abundance of uh, cheap labour. Selling to or investing in other BRI countries, however, is not easy at the moment, as there are physical and policy barriers, according to the World Bank. In its BRI 2.0 report, HSBC suggests that removing these barriers will lead to largest gains for trade routes connecting East Asia and South Asia. Goods will be cheaper and exports could increase by almost 10%. To capture the opportunities presented by the BRI, Kong of the Chinese Chambers of Commerce says Malaysia needs to strengthen its narrative as a gateway to Southeast Asia. Malaysia is a hub to market products to the Southeast Asia. And then we have three races. Let's say Chinese, we can assist them. And then you have an Indian market, you know, the very huge market in India. And then we have the Middle East then we have our Jakim Hala food, you know, because to attract their productions in Malaysia. Let's look at uh, one figure is quite interesting, so one statistic. That is the uh, as per the uh, 2019 January, Malaysia invests in China accumulated about USD uh, 8 billion, 7.8, something like that. But China invests in Malaysia is only 6 B US dollars. It's lower than Malaysians go abroad and invest in China. So, yeah, I'm not saying that Malaysia government not doing enough. We should improve much faster. I call it much faster. Faster than other nations like Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, 
and uh, Cambodia, all these nations. You know. Otherwise, we'll be taken over by those nations. That is my call to the government. Yeah. What does the Deputy Minister of International Trade and Industry, Ong, says in response to Kong's call? That's a good point. We've already managed to attract uh, many Chinese investments uh, since the change of government last year. And what we are doing now is to uh, set up a special channel uh, for expediting strategic investments coming to Malaysia, including investments from China through the uh, re orientation of the National Committee on Investment. So this is a little bit more technical, but basically investment approvals in the past are needed to uh, go through the National Committee on Investments and then later on get the approval of the Minister of Finance. Now we have a co-chat committee uh, with the participation of the Minister of Finance and also the Minister of METI coming together whereby they can give approvals for certain tax incentives uh, on the spot. Uh, after deliberating on the different uh, different details of these in strategic investments. And to further encourage Chinese entrepreneurs to have a base in Malaysia, we can expect more incentives. Uh, I, I think one, one uh, area which uh, has gotten quite a lot of interest lately is the uh, Malaysia My Second Home uh, offering. Uh, and this is as a result of some of the uh, political developments that are occurring in Hong Kong. So uh, Hong Kong investors... Uh, in Malaysia, actually, uh, one area which we need to capture more of, uh, because many Hong Kong investors, they actually have factories located in uh, places like uh, Guangdong in southern China. Uh, and uh, many of them have still not diversified their production locations. So uh, by packaging uh, you know, the Malaysia My Second Home and other related uh, investment incentives, I think this is a good opportunity for us to attract uh, Hong Kong uh, investors, uh, including in the manufacturing sector, to look at Malaysia as a, a port of call for them. And uh, this is also in conjunction with the signing uh, and uh, entry into force of the ASEAN-Hong Kong Free Trade Agreement uh, that has already been ratified by the Malaysian government and it will come into force uh, later uh, in October. While Malaysia is well positioned to become a gateway to Southeast Asia, it is increasingly portrayed by the media as becoming a more conservative country. Are Chinese investors put off by this? Kong of the Chinese Chambers of Commerce, who keeps his years on the ground, says this is a perception that we will need to manage. Actually, it's quite sensitive on this one. It's a propaganda, you know. When they come over, a lot of uh, first-timer, I call it the Chinese uh, tourists or first-timer, you know, when they come to Malaysia, they got a shock. They got a shock. I say Malaysia is so liberal, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you say, uh, non-hala food, all those things. You know. They always see Malaysia like uh, Arabic countries uh, when they come. So I think all this is the perceptions. We have to uh, promote this sort of uh, positive and then direct perceptions to the outside world, especially to those world's second largest economy, China, in order for them to have... Uh, good mood, good feel to come into the Malaysia. And this wraps up our report on China's Belt and Road Initiative on Spotlight. I'm Noel Lim on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.